From the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today our spotlight is on abstract artist Sky Pape. Sky is known for using traditional materials like ink, graphite, and paper in new and unconventional ways to produce intricate canvases and large and small scales. Her work has been collected in the National Museum of Women in the Arts, the Museum of Modern Art, the Guggenheim, and the Brooklyn Museum of the Arts, among many others, and twice graced the cover of the Journal of Cognitive Neuroscience. In 2010, she was a Rockefeller Foundation resident at the Bellagio Center in Lake Cuomo, Italy. And by her own account, she is a, quote, culture hound, nature enthusiast, and pom-pom waver for creative folks of all stripes. And we're very thankful that includes Inwood Artworks. Sky, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Let me ask you first, just how are you and how are things faring for you right now in this new normal? Uh, hanging in. It's really, like, for many of us, a day-by-day adventure, so take it as it comes and just keep doing what I can do. I think that's all we can do. When people ask me, I usually say, well, as good as I can under the circumstances, right? Sky, your work has explored knots and tangles in the past, and I'm thinking, for example, your Time Being series and also your 2018 Passing Through show at Gilman Contemporary. These are increasingly tangled times, so I'm wondering if knots are still ruminating within you as a theme and how your thinking about them has developed. Uh, The knots have come and gone over the years as a recurring theme in the work. I think the earliest that I recall them showing up was around the turn of the century. And the continuous knot is really intriguing to me as a theme of persistence in a way and continuity really and in those particular works it was juxtaposing the continuity of the knot with interruptions of it the knot itself was made of very organic materials sumi ink and water and i was using palm fronds in those works and they were interrupted and juxtaposed with very hard-edged brightly colored painted shapes. So it's sort of exploring ideas of perception and interruption and how much interruption continuity can stand before it's broken. Also, those knots dealt with perception in a way of things that might appear to be in one place or appear to be, say, in front or behind or going through. And upon closer inspection, you really have to question that, like what seems to be there is not really there. Our perception sometimes serves us, but it also misleads us, or it can. kind of feels like how we are where we're getting our news cycle. <laughs> things, <laughs> things we think are closer than they seem or maybe further away, right. and vice versa. <laughs> Um, you're known for being extraordinarily sensitive to your materials. For example, the paper you use, it's like a tool in your work. Can you say a little bit about the role of paper in your art and why it's so important to you? The paper to me is, uh, boy, that's a big question. It's very organic. When I use handmade paper, although I've made paper myself, I often use paper that is made by very masterful paper makers. And I really feel that's, I view that as a kind of collaboration. And I think by using those papers, it helps sustain a certain tradition of papermaking. 
that goes way back. I love the immediacy of working with paper as a material, the tactile quality of it. There's so much variety in paper as well. I think it just carries so many layers of meaning just in itself that adds to the work for me. And there's a connectivity to it, right? A connectivity in what way? It's accessible. It's like, you're not using a computer. It's not digital. It's tangible. It's of the earth. I think that's what I mean by the organic quality of it and that it's so tactile and hands-on. I also paper in terms of the immediacy of it and availability of it. A lot of the materials I use or almost all the materials I use are things in one form or another that are just widely accessible to people. So there's amazing art that's made through fabrication, bronze sculpture or whatever, but most people can't do that kind of work. And there's something that I appreciate for me about the accessibility of the materials that I use is something that I really relate to. You're known for engaging your materials in creative and non-traditional ways. So I'm imagining your process involves a lot of experimentation and discovery. It does involve a lot of experimentation with the physical properties of the materials. And I've discovered a lot just by pushing what those materials can do. So I worked with water in different forms, um, mist and rain and snow. I worked with paper, working on both sides of the paper, working with graphite, pressing as hard as you possibly can so it gets like a really sort of metallic sheen that makes it look like relief sculpture instead of two-dimensional drawing. I was talking to a physicist about my work and he was, he was really interested in the material science aspect of the work and related to it particularly on that level. But I think like working with different kinds of water and how it reacts on paper and how it reacts with my materials with ink or with the paper, you learn something about water. I mean, rain in North America acts and looks differently than rain in Europe or putting paper in a body of water. Different lakes will act differently. Snow makes a different kind of mark than rain. So you start to learn a little bit that way. It's, and that's all experimentation. And that's fascinating. Speaking of science, our listeners, particularly those who think abstract art and science don't mix, may be surprised to hear that until about 2000, I believe, you had a parallel career researching schizophrenia and genetics and traumatic brain injury, and that you've been published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, among other places. Can you speak a bit about your interest in science and working with scientists and how it informs your work? I've had a great interest in science, and I think science, particularly mathematics, still figures a lot in my work. As I mentioned, material science is also the knots, the whole interest in knots and geometry still figure very much in my work. I'm interested in systems. I'm interested in how anomalies affect the functioning of systems and tolerance thresholds for irregularities and I think all of those things have a broader societal relevance and environmental relevance. That remains very interesting to me. I think abstraction, when you look at patterns and geometry and those approaches are things that you see 
applied in all the ways that we try and interpret our world. And that includes the sciences, which are always looking for patterns. So I think there's a real dovetail there between that kind of abstraction and science. It's absolutely beautiful. You came to New York from Toronto at 18 to study art and you stayed. Nearly 20 years ago, you moved yourself and your studio up here to Inwood. So what attracted you back then to this northern end of Manhattan? Well, when I worked in science, I worked up here at the medical center for many years. So I was somewhat familiar with the neighborhood, and I had lived in Washington Heights before, back in the 80s. And coming up here, I think being so in love with nature and wanting to have the proximity to the park was a huge draw of coming up to Inwood. So it was a natural for me to look up here. And then when I was looking around up here for a place to live, I realized this feels like home to me. And after all the years of moving all over New York, I felt like, oh, I don't want to move anymore. I don't have to move anymore. And uh, I feel really fortunate to have been able to be here all of these past years. Well, this neighborhood's quite fortunate to have you, I think. And it's kind of restorative, this neighborhood, isn't it? Being able to access the parks. It's laid out really well. You don't feel like you're on top of another. And the people are so great. It's like a small town. Yeah, it's very neighborly. But I really also was very attracted to the mix of the neighborhood, of there being every kind of person <laughs> here. And so, you know, I had no interest at all in being in some sort of homogenous neighborhood. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Well, this leads me right into talking about, you mentioned Washington Heights maybe 30, 40 years ago. And in Washington Heights are not quite the neighborhoods they were back then, but also now it's changing again uh, with the recent rezoning and possibly imminent gentrification. Many worry that longtime residents will be priced out of the area, fraying the social and cultural fabric you just spoke of. So from your point of view, what does the situation look like to you as a resident and also an artist? I think it's a very scary and sad time in that regard. It's been impressive the efforts that people of the neighborhood have been making. I think a lot of people here feel that the city has a different agenda and does not listen to what people in the neighborhood are saying they want and need. I support the valiant legal pushback that the neighborhood has been making, and I think there are so many organizations that are helping with that. So I involve myself however I feel I can. And I encourage everybody who feels affected by it too as well. But I think there are people who are in tenant landlord situations where it's really scary for them to push back in any way. So, you know, we all have to support each other. I know you do that as well, but I mean, just you, the, the general you, however you feel you can do that for your neighbors and yourself, it makes a better neighborhood for all of us. One of the things that I involve in that regard as well, the changes in the neighborhood is my passion on the environment and my focus on environmental impact of changes in the neighborhood. Did you do the logo for Inwood Indivisible? I did. That's a group you're part of. I am, and I've been very involved with work to restore the waterways up here. There are a million great groups, and you just have to find one that works for you or more than one that works for you. 
small contributions, whether that's financial contributions or actions or both or whatever people can do, it makes a difference. It really does. Change does start usually up here at a very grassroots level. Do you feel like that rumbling from the ground up is being heard? And do you feel like the electeds and the powers that be are taking interest? It depends on which level. There are, as I said, different organizations. For me, Inwit Indivisible is one that I'm involved with that I think is fantastic. But that organization also acts as a hub of information for me to keep me abreast of what's going on with all these other organizations if I can't attend every meeting of everything, which I can't. So, you know, Met Council on Housing has been really great, Save Inwood Library. You know, there are so many. But as far as moving the needle, grassroots was effective, I think, when we acted as a coalition with all sorts of other organizations, like across the city and in Manhattan. I mean, the rezoning here, what happens here impacts other rezoning fights and gentrification fights. The midterm elections and what happened in New York was impacted by really powerful organizing that went on in the city, bringing groups together. Um, There was a whole uptown coalition that was super effective with incredibly well-informed, talented, unbelievably hardworking people. And these, their efforts, again, in terms of protecting immigrants, I'm an immigrant, I feel strongly about those issues. And I just contacted you recently about an arts coalition trying to bring together all these different arts groups to have a voice going forward that will view the arts as part of any economic recovery. The Americans for the Arts, I believe. Americans for the Arts, yeah. So... If you had a wish for Inwood and Washington Heights art scene, what's your wish moving forward for it? <laughs> and, and she how laughs. Can, she laughs. How can and I scoffs. condense that? Things are changing so much for the arts. It's hard to know what venues are going to be like, but there's going to be something. So there's a need for accessible, affordable venues. And part of that is space for people to work. I mean, individual artist studios. I'm very fortunate that I have a studio up here as well as living up here, but that's really hard for people, for artists up here. Theater world, I know less about. That's more your wheelhouse. But I think venues are a big issue. You know the old parking garage. Oh, I know it very well. Yeah. Well, just dreaming of that being an arts hub or the, I guess it was a power substation under the bridge by the Hudson at the foot of Dykeman. And I used to look at that building and think, wow, it's easy to envision that being a space. Yeah, there's a lot of buildings with some good bones. But like you said, it's accessibility and affordability because they all have to be redone entirely. But it's not just about having a place where you can go as an audience member to appreciate the work. Makerspace, be it visual art or mixed media, new media, I meant to say, really, for film or online or theater or dance, opera. The space needs to occur so people can actually create the work as well. And it's not just space. It's also just the everyday living expenses that artists face. And I mean, so many people in the arts, in all different kinds of arts, work other jobs, work restaurant jobs or academic jobs that are threatened now because of what we're going through. And they work just to sustain their creative practice. 
And I think it would be wonderful to start viewing more ways that artists can have meaningful paying opportunities, you know, not just like, oh, here's an opportunity and what you get is a little exposure or something, but here's an opportunity and you will be paid for your time, your effort, whatever, and not just in academia, not just second or third or other jobs, but the arts as a truly valued we are merchants. We are entrepreneurs. It is a business. It is a business. And I think creative people are resourceful and creative. So turning energies to envision and create those opportunities for other artists is super important. That's one thing I'm thinking about all the time, but I know there are a lot of other people also turning their energies towards that. Turning down opportunities that don't pay, that should pay, so that people realize that that kind of exploitation of artists should stop. Well said. Well, Sky, there's so much about your work and you that we can't talk about here because it's only a small show. Uh, but uh, <laughs> where can listeners go to find more about you and track your upcoming projects? I have a website, which is just my name, skypape.com. So it's mostly on there. And I'm on Instagram at sky.pape. Listeners, look for those links up on the Inwood Artworks on-air webpage as well to the artworks of Sky that we've talked about. Thank you so much, Sky, for joining me here today. My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. It's been wonderful having Sky here on Artist Spotlight here on Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. Tremendous thanks for all our friends here at 809 Restaurant and Lounge here in Inwood, NYC for hosting us, and to Heightsites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air and all our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc slash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from NYC and Company Foundation with support from Manhattan Borough President Gil Brewer and the Niska Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. Thank you again for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you.